0: All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline. Use the Central Church app, but you can turn to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be at today. This is week number two of our series called The Master of the Miraculous. And we're taking the next several weeks, and we're looking at a few of the bi- uh, miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible. And we're talking about how they apply to us today. Because I believe, and I'm going to say this a lot through the message, I'm going to say this a lot through the series. I believe if he did it then, he can do it again right? I believe if it happened in the Bible that it can happen here today. I believe if he's moved in my life in the past that I shouldn't doubt that he can move in my life right here today or he's not going to move in the future. The Bible says that that Um, The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're told that I, the Lord, do not change. And and if those verses are true, and I believe with all my heart that they are true, then if it happened then, it can happen again. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about the miraculous taking place. We're talking about seeing the supernatural. We're talking about life change happening in us as a church and us as individuals. And a while back, I was asked this question this question was actually like inspiration for this series. I get asked a lot of questions, but this one kind of stuck out. I've been asked it a lot, and I've never really just kind of addressed it and kind of really dealt with it. But I was asked, Pastor Ryan, like in the Bible, it seems like Jesus did a lot of miracles. And so why doesn't he do miracles today like he did in the Bible? And, and that question, it got me. It stuck with me for a while. And I bet some of you have wondered that to do, um, like as well. Why, why don't we... Why don't we see, like why don't we actually see miracles happening today? Because let's just admit, wouldn't it be cool to walk into St. Anthony, walk into the ER and just say, hey, you know what, you, get up, walk. This person's coding over here. No, they're not, get out of my way. Touch them, get up, live. Like that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Just clear out the hospital. That would be cool. Wouldn't it be cool if you were driving today let's just say hypothetically, down Highway 30 towards Ames, and you get stuck in the construction traffic for, so oh, let's say 17 minutes. I mean, just hypothetically, maybe perhaps that's happened to somebody. And you're sitting there, and you're a little ticked off, and you just raise your hand and say, part, like the Red Sea. And you just, wouldn't that be cool? Like, I'm down for a miracle. I mean, wouldn't it be cool at dinner if you just picked up your glass of water and it turned, like, that That would be cool. We talked about that last week, right? Like, it seems like if you study scriptures, it seems Jesus is doing a lot of miracles. But in life today, there are people in this room, there are people watching online, you have begged God for a miracle, right? You have begged him to answer your prayer. You have begged him to move in a certain way. You have begged him to answer. You have begged And some of us, some of us, we've seen miracles. I've seen miracles. Let me just put that out there. I've seen people healed of terminal disease. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen things that absolutely blow your mind. On the flip side, I have prayed and 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 begged and begged and begged and begged and and made deal deal and deal and deal and deal and prayed more and nothing's happened. So why doesn't? Why doesn't Jesus do miracles in today's world like he did when he walked the earth? Well, I think one of the things we lose sight of is the fact that Jesus, listen, in the Bible, we only have like 30 to 35 of his miracles recorded. That's it, 30 to 35. Now, Jesus did ministry for three, three and a half years. So 35 miracles in a three and a half year time period, that's like 10 a year. I guess less than one a month. And so a lot of times, we're told that Jesus did all of these miracles, that Jesus did all of these things. And and we come to churches, and and, in church, we preach about the miracles because they're they're great to preach about, and they're great to apply to our lives. But over and over and over and over and over again, we hear about them, and we get so hyper-focused on the miracle, and we don't understand. They were miracles back in the day because they didn't happen that often. And so the question, why don't we see as many miracles today? Maybe, maybe, as we saw back then, like, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put my cards on the table. I'm going to tell you, I think there are miracles happening in today's world as much as they ever have. Because, again, Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it then, he'll do it again. Amen? I believe he still does miracles, and I believe there's somebody here today, you're on the verge of a breakdown, and maybe today Jesus is going to take you from breakdown to breakthrough, because sometimes, sometimes the miracle is simply in hearing the word of God. I'll show you. John chapter 4, verse 43. Jesus, Jesus had been in Jerusalem doing some stuff. At the end of two days, Jesus went to Galilee, He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. So Jesus said, a prophet is not honored in his hometown. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That blows my mind. That, That puzzles me. Anybody else ever been puzzled by that? Because you can go through Denison, and you can see a great big sign that says, Home of Donna Reed. I don't even know who that is. I don't know. Somebody in one of the services shouted out, You can go to the theater, you can go to the museum. Don't want to, don't care. Now you can go down to Winterset. And you can see a big old statue of John Wayne. I'd like to go to that museum. That, that would be kind of cool. I think the Denison sign should say, home of Brandon Sheriff. That's what I think, because he built the stadium for him. But, but when you go through a famous athlete or actor's hometown, there's usually a sign there that says, home of whoever. They celebrate that. They're excited about that. But Jesus said, there's no honor in his own hometown, In fact, Mark chapter 6, the Bible says Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith. And I'm always scratching my head going, it's Jesus. You saw him grow up. You know who he is. You know he's born of a virgin. How do you not celebrate this boy? How are you not excited about this? How does Jesus not have honor in his own hometown? And then I thought of this illustration, and it helped me. Maybe it helped you too. (laughs) How many of you have ever gotten in your car? Let's say you're getting ready to leave work and drive home. You crank up your car, you turn on the music, and the next thing you know, you're pulling in your driveway and you don't remember the drive. Anybody? Listen, completely sober. I'm not talking about Friday night. I'm talking about work to home. Most of us have probably done that. The reason we can drive from point A to point B and not see anything is because the route has become familiar, right? And listen, When something becomes familiar, we're less likely to see something new or something beautiful because we're not looking for it. I remember one time I was driving home and my daughter, Chloe, was with me. And she said, Daddy, look at the sunset. Now, now here's what's crazy. It was the same way, the same time that I always drove. The same time I always drove it. But you know what? Like, like I didn't see it. The, the sun rises and the sun sets at the same time every day, except for daylight savings time. This is all jacked up today. But, but, but I had never seen it. I had never noticed it. I had never paid attention to it because everything had become so familiar. Maybe. Maybe the reason that we don't see Jesus operate in the way that he does operate is because we've allowed the work of God to become way too familiar in our lives. Because see, the danger that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is, is because like Jesus can do something and we don't have the faith to celebrate it. We we just sit around and go, Well, that's just what happens. That's just what happens at Central. Ryan just does something, Ryan just says something, and, and that's and people come forward, and that's that's just what happens. We have trunk or treat and people just come. We do an egg drop and people just come. Like that's just what happens. We we don't understand that what happens here. Like I don't, I don't know anything about other churches. All right, I know I know about this church, and I know about what's happened in this church in the years that I've been here. What happens here, like it's supernatural. Like, it's, it's crazy, the presence of God, to me, that happens in this place. Understand that Jesus is doing some stuff in this place, and we can't allow it to become familiar. You can't allow what Jesus is doing in you and through you to become familiar. In fact, I know Jesus is doing some stuff in my life right now that is not familiar, and it's scary, incredibly scary. I'll say this, this environment what's happening here, what we get to experience on Sunday, the music we get to experience, I don't ever want that to become familiar to you. I don't ever want you to take it for granted. I want us to remember where we came from. There, there are a few of you in this in this church that you've been here the entire time. You were here when it was in a movie theater. You were here when it was in New Hope. You, you were here when it was in Swan Lake. You were here when you moved into this building. You were here when the church split. You were here when they for whatever reason hired me. But but now multiple services, multiple campuses, big internet presence, a full band, worship, hands raised, bells, whistles, smoke machines, geysers, lights, kids ministry, teen ministry, a youth center, an outreach center. Listen, we can't ever let that become familiar and think it's normal for God to do what he's done in this place because it's absolutely supernatural. And when you let the supernatural become familiar, we miss the miracle. When we let the supernatural become familiar, we miss the miracle every single time. And so I would challenge you today to not allow what God is doing become familiar. Because if so, we can easily miss the miracle. I I say this, I've said this a lot over the past few months, and I'll say it again. Did you wake up inside today? Did you? See, there's a lot of people that would call that a miracle. Do you have bottled water in your house? There's a lot of people in the world that would call that a miracle. To us, it's normal. But to a lot of people, it's a miracle. And so right here in this text, Jesus had become familiar. And when something becomes familiar, we can miss the supernatural. It goes on to verse 45. I think this is funny. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been staying in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything. Everybody say everything. Seen everything he did there. So they're in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration. Jesus is there doing some stuff, and these Galileans had seen everything. Now, stay with me because it's going to take a second to set up. They saw Jesus at the Passover celebration, and they saw everything, and they're like, oh, you know what? That's different. That's crazy. Like, hey, Jesus, we saw what you did, and we like you. You need to come hang out with us. Now, here's what's funny. Like when you read a passage of scripture, you can't just really take, you got to go back and you got to see the context and read it all in that. And so you got to go back and you got to look at John chapter one, two, and three to see what he had done when he was in Galilee to get them so excited. And listen, don't miss this, don't miss this. He didn't do a miracle. He did not do a miracle. The first miracle in the gospel of John, we talked about it last week, water into wine. His second miracle. The second one hadn't even happened yet. We're going to talk about it today, but it hadn't even happened. He did not do a miracle when he was in Jerusalem. Pastor Ryan, what did he do? It's where he cleared the temple. That's what he did. The Bible tells us that he saw the money changers and he got ticked off because what they were doing is they were basically taking advantage of people. And so Jesus sat down and made a whip. How awesome is that? I don't know if you're my age, but when I was growing up, my mom used to tell me, go outside and get your switch. Anybody? You go outside and you try to find the smallest branch to break off, but the smallest one hurt the worst. And so by the end, i just taking her like a whole log. Here, hit me with this. Jesus is like, hey, you know what? You don't got to go get your switch. I'm going to go make one. Can you see this? Can you see Jesus sitting on the side of a hill making a whip? He's kind of braiding it together. And they're like, hey, Jesus, what you doing? Oh, you're about to find out. I'm about to show you what I'm doing. Jesus sits down. And he makes a whip because he's angry. He showed anger. But listen, his anger didn't come from just explosion. He's, he's like, he, he, he tells us he wants us to be quick to listen and slow to become angry. And, and that's what he did. In fact, you could almost say that while he's making this whip, they had an opportunity to repent. They didn't take it. And so he goes in and he clears the temple. And everybody's like, man, this guy's awesome made 180 gallons of wine, beat up all the religious people. Hey, Jesus, you're on our team. Come hang out with us. And so they're welcoming Jesus in. They're welcoming him, him in because he's got this reputation. But, but it's not the reputation that we think of Jesus, you know, walking around with a sad face, holding the lamb, crying all the time. No, this dude's clearing out temples. He's making wine, all right? That's, that's Jesus, he walks into town, and this is what happens, verse 46. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana. Now, remember what happened last week? He was in Cana, right? We, he turned water into wine. Now, just a quick question. This is a, simple, this is a simple answer. Do you think the people in Cana were happy to see Jesus again? You think they were? Like, they're like, hey, man, who is that? Oh, hey, 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 that's Jesus. Jesus, hold this for me. Hey, hey, you know what? You go to Casey's and get to Aquafina, Get all the Dasani. You know what? Just don't even get that. Get the cheap stuff, man. Get, bring the Casey's water back. Like, bring Like they're glad to see him because of what he did the last time that he was there. But don't miss us. Don't miss us. This. this is so huge. The last time Jesus was there, he did a miracle for the masses. This time, he wants to do a miracle for an individual. See, Jesus wants to do miracles for all of us, in us and through us and for us, to edify each other and for this place corporately. But I also believe Jesus wants to do a miracle for you because the individual matters to Jesus. The individual matters to Jesus. See, he's sitting there, and the Bible says this individual comes by. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. Now, another question. How many of you have kids? That's an easy one, yes or no. You don't have to look around. You don't have to ask your spouse if you got kids or not. Don't your kids have the ability to make you experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows? can they do that? Like You can thank God for them and then within 30 seconds you question, why am I even a parent? Like what's going on? If you're, if you're a parent, your kids have that effect on you. And let me tell you this, it never, ever goes away. Highest of highs, and the lowest of lows, last night, my son, he lives over in Boone. He's going to college over there. And and he's been, he's been back here. He's been helping a farmer. And so last, yesterday, I, I cooked some meat, and he called and said, I want to come. I want to eat some meat. I want to see you before I head back to Boone. And I'm like, all right. So I went to bed, and I'm kind of hanging out, waiting for him, waiting for him. I hear he comes home, and so I go downstairs to, to meet him, and he starts coming across the room and gives me a big hug. Now, my son on this farm, his job has been filling what I have been told is termed a honey wagon. Now, see, listen, that term only works right here. If I'm telling this in Indianapolis, they nobody know. They're like, what the heck is that? Like, that's what he's doing. And so he embraces me, and I'm like, Ugh go shower get away from it. he stunk so bad it was horrible and he's like what is wrong with you i'm like everything everything is wrong with me gyra like highest of highs excited to see th- this listen that brought the prodigal son story to life for me right there. You know, he's running down the driveway to meet him. He had been with the pigs and all of that. I'm just like, oh. Anyway, highest of highs, lowest of lows. Like, you get that. If you're a parent, you understand that. My daughter, Chloe, has been dealing with some sickness. She's, she's been, had a couple of surgeries. And I've been absolutely heartbroken over the past couple of months that my 21-year-old daughter, who's away at college, is sick. If you're a parent... Nothing, hardly anything on the planet rips your heart out as much as your kid getting sick. I remember a few weeks ago, looking at Chloe, she's on the couch and she's hurting and tears are coming down her face and I'm just like, if I could take it. If I could take it from her, if I could take that sickness from her, I would take it. If you're a parent, you thought that exact same thing. I would take that sickness in a heartbeat. If your kid gets sick, it does something to you. It absolutely destroys you inside, am I right? And so here's this government official he's in Capernaum and he's got a son who's very sick and about to die. Now let me tell you some things about this government official. Number one, he's not a follower of Jesus. He's not. That's very important because there are people, there are churches, there are sects of Christianity who will tell you, and maybe you've been told, you've been told Jesus only does miracles for people who follow him. That's not true. If that were the case, nearly every miracle in the Bible that he did, he never would have done. Because the miracles he did most of the time, I know there are some exceptions, but most of the time he did for people who weren't actually following him. And so he's not a follower of Jesus. The second thing we know about the government official is that he was a Gentile. From everything we know, he's a Gentile. He wasn't Jewish. In other words, he didn't go to church, wasn't part of a connect group, didn't read his Bible, but his son got sick. And isn't it funny when you get in a desperate situation how quickly you learn how to pray or how quickly you pull God back off the shelf or how quickly you come back to church? The other thing is because he's a government official, he's used to getting his way. Don't don't miss that. Because he's a government official, he's used to getting his way. He's used to barking commands and telling orders and everybody just doing it. He, he's used to asking for something and somebody just comes. He's used to everybody doing everything for him. And now he's come from Capernaum to where Jesus is. And his son is very sick. In verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged, begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Now, this is huge. You've got to give me a little bit of time to unpack this. Because right here, we see why sometimes we don't get to see the miracle. This guy comes to Jesus with a problem, which is what we should obviously do. I told you that last week. Remember last week, we talked about There was a problem. Mary went to Jesus, and then Mary gave the only instruction she ever gave in the entire Bible, despite when anybody else tells you it's the only place Mary said something, and she told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Like, like that was it. And we went through that. You can go back and listen to that. We should take our problems to Jesus. If we have problems, we should take them to Jesus. We have issues, we should take them to Jesus. Like, listen, I can think of so many times in my life where I've been frustrated in a certain situation and I've tried everything. I've tried all of this stuff and I've tried to, to fix it and at the end of it, I just throw my hands up and I just pray. And then all of a sudden, bam, problem solved. And I think, man, Ryan, you are an idiot. Why didn't you just pray from the beginning? And so that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus is who we bring our problems to. And so I don't know what you're wrestling with today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what prayers you need answered. I don't know what miracle you might need. But bringing Jesus your problem, that's 100% what we're supposed to be able to do. And I know there are some people, every time I say that, they're like, oh, Ryan, I'm just so insignificant. There's no way Jesus would ever do anything for me. If I took him, my pride, like, I don't matter. No, you matter. You matter to him. You are created in the image of God. He cares about what's going on in your heart. He cares about what's going on in your mind. And he absolutely wants us to bring our problems to him. Listen, many times we don't get a miracle because we're not asking for it. That's all throughout the Bible. You do not receive because you do not ask. Many times we don't get it because we're not asking. And so if you're struggling with that, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not a godly person. I don't, I don't really follow Jesus. I don't really know that much about the Bible. Neither does this guy. But he brings his problem to Jesus. However, there's an issue, and it's a big issue. Here's the issue. He also brought his plans to Jesus. And Jesus wants your problems, but he doesn't need your plans. Like, listen, don't miss this. I've been reading this for years, and I never saw this until I'm putting this thing together. He begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son. Jesus is here. And he wants Jesus to get up and come with him. Jesus, do this. Jesus, this is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. And Jesus wants us to bring him our problems, but he doesn't need our how. He doesn't. Like, have you ever gotten mad at somebody because you got in the car with them and they're going from point A to point B and they start driving a way that you would not have gone? And you're like, hey, if you take a ride up here, it's faster. And they say, no, I'm going this way. I'm going, every service, every service right there, people looking at each other, husbands and wives. Like, that's just, by the time you get there, like, you're mad? See, we we talked about this last week. We talked about things happening in our time. Like, we want things to happen right now, this way, for us. In other words, we're selfish. Anybody want to go ahead and admit in church on a Sunday, you want to tell the truth, shame the devil, and say, I'm selfish? It's just government officials that way. He's selfish. He's used to getting in his way. In his time, he's used to getting everything done for him. And so he comes to Jesus and says, Hey, I need you to do this. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I'm going to need you to do it. And, And listen, Jesus wants what's in our hands but he does not need our plans. Because at the end of the day, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we talk about this verse all the time here. He tells us that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so we need to learn how to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my problems and I know you don't need my plans. In fact, I'm going to put my problems in your hands and to heck with my plans. He comes up to Jesus and says, hey, this is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. And by the way, if he would have done what this, what, if Jesus would have done what this man wanted him to do, it would have actually slowed down the process because it took a day to get from Capernaum to, to Cana walking, all right? Verse 48, Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now, every time I read the Bible, I, I read sometimes with a little, like Jesus is a little snarky. That, that's how I see him. And, and this guy's coming up to Jesus And I can almost see this. He's he's upset. His son is sick. He's he's torn apart. He's desperate. He's got some tears in his eyes, crying a little bit. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, come, come. Come heal my son, please. Jesus, I need you. Will you come and heal my son? Will you come with me, Jesus, and heal my son? And Jesus says, what if I don't? How would you like that? Jesus, I need you to do this. Please, Jesus, please move in this way. Jesus, please allow this to happen. Jesus, I'll do anything. Jesus, just please. Maybe. I don't know. All goes back to this guy giving Jesus his plans. This is how it happens for us today. Oh, Jesus, 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 I need a miracle. I need a miracle, Jesus. I need a job. Jesus, I need you to get me a job. And Jesus, this is the job I want. Jesus, this one right here. This is how much I want to make. These are the hours I want to work. Please, Jesus, I'd do anything. I just need a miracle. Like we pray. And we give him our plans. This man comes up to Jesus and says, this is what I want you to do. This is the way I want you to do it. And Jesus says, will you not believe in me? unless you see miraculous signs. In other words, Jesus says, what if I do what you're asking me to do, but you don't get to see it? What if I do what you're asking me to do, but, but I'm not gonna do it in the way you're asking me to do it? Is it still a miracle? See, sometimes today, Jesus will do a miracle, and we miss it because he didn't do exactly what we asked. Let me give you an example from my life. Um, Mary's mom died years ago from complications of a car accident. And for weeks, for weeks while she was in the hospital, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to heal her. And we believed that God could heal her, and she died. 20 years later, her stepmom died of cancer, and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to heal her. And we talked about things like, like, God, you had healed her years ago, and she was in remission. God, you can do it again. We believed, we fully believed that God could do it. And last year, last October, I'm standing at her casket and I'm looking at her and I'm like, God, man, what's going on? We asked for healing. We believed in healing. We believed that you could do it. And now she's without two moms, and the kids are without grandmas. And 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 God like spoke very clearly to me and said, Hey Ryan, I healed them. Like they're healed. I just didn't do it the way that you wanted them to be healed. You wanted them to be healed so that they could stay. But I healed them to bring them with me. And they've never been more healed and they've never been better than they are right now. And I had to kind of look back and really realize, you know what? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His plans are bigger than our plans. And so my question to you is what what if Jesus did what you're asking him to do? but he didn't do it in the way you're asking him to do it. Is it still a miracle? Absolutely, it's still a miracle. Watch this, verse 49. The official pleaded, Lord, please, come now before my little boy dies. He's begging, he's pleading, and on the surface, it looks like this guy doesn't pick up the hint. There, there's so much to unpack here, and I wish I had time to kind of go through this in, entire verse, but I don't. And so I just want to point out one thing, and this is the key to the entire thing. What does this man call Jesus? What does he call him? Lord. That sealed the deal. That right there. He didn't know Bible history. He didn't know the history of Jesus. He probably wasn't all up in church and prayer and all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff this guy didn't know, but he got the title right. You are Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're not saying, well, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my advisor. Jesus is my helper. No. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying, hey, Jesus, you are Lord. Your ways not my ways. Jesus, you are Lord. You are a leader. Jesus, you are Lord. You are wiser. Jesus, you are Lord. You are stronger. You are Lord. You are better. Everything about you is awesome and right and true and holy. Jesus, you are Lord. And so at the end of the day, I might not be getting what I asked for. I might even be asking for the right thing. I might not have the what down, but I have the who down. You are Lord. And so when we come to Jesus and we're asking him to do things, even if, even if you are asking him to do things in certain ways, all, all that is great. But the key in this verse, the thing that really, really, really broke through to my mind is are we calling him Lord? Are you calling Jesus Lord? Lord, no matter what you decide, Lord, no matter what you do, Lord, I will follow you. See, I know, I know a lot of people who will say, I don't go to church anymore. Why not? I asked God to do something. He didn't do it. <laughs> Come to our church because we've got a lot of people in that, in that boat, right? I'll tell you, there are a lot of things I have asked God to do he didn't do. And as I look back over the course of my life and see the things I asked God to do and he didn't do, I am so thankful that he loves me enough to sometimes tell me no. Like the great theologian Garth Brooks sings, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Aren't you glad that you didn't marry the first person that you asked God to let you marry? Don't say amen here. That'll cause some tension. Aren't you glad that God didn't give you certain things along the way? At the end of the day, my question isn't what are you asking God for? My question is who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Because what I've had to learn to say is, hey, as long as he's Lord, if he says yes, praise the Lord. If he says no, praise the Lord, because he's God, and he's got better plans for Ryan than Ryan has for Ryan, and he's got better plans for you than you have planned for you. In this story, this guy's got his plans. He goes to Jesus, hey, come with me, spend a day walking with me, maybe talking to me, maybe I can learn a little bit more about you, and then after a day, you can heal my son. But Jesus has a better plan. Watch this, verse 50. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. Notice the exclamation point right there? He's excited. See, we see Jesus walking around. He's got his hands folded, and he's got his cloak on, and he's just like, go home. Your son will be healed. And and, and listen, he tells this man, go home. Your son will live. And the guy's like, all right, man, evidently, this wine from last week still left over. He's just kind of crazy. Go home. Go home, your son will live. And the Bible says the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Question, be honest. If you're a parent, do you fully believe God in that moment, yes or no? No, because you've never seen him do this before. Jesus' plans are better than our plans. The guy said, hey, I want you to heal my son in 24 hours. And Jesus is saying, Huh? I'm just going to do it right now. Why wait 24 hours when I can handle the problem right now? If you're a dad and Jesus says, go back home, your son will live. Do you fully believe the word of God in that moment? No. Because you don't really understand who this Jesus character is. And you don't really know what he's capable of. But obviously, he found enough faith to shut up and turn around and start walking home. At the end of the day, don't miss this, at the end of the day, this guy took Jesus at his word. And, And the word of Jesus is what healed his son. The word of Jesus. The words of Jesus are the word of God. Do you know that? The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That that's Jesus. It goes down to verse 14. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God was here. And, and as Jesus speaks, he's speaking the Word of God. The spoken word of Jesus. As soon as Jesus spoke, there was healing. Do you know that the Word of God can bring healing in our lives? Because when God speaks, dead things come to life. Think about it. The earth was empty. God spoke. Bam! Like He created the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the animals, the people. God spoke. Jesus spoke in John chapter 11, he spoke to a dead man named Lazarus. Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out of the tomb. Jesus is always speaking life over people, he always brings death to life. His word helps us to be overcomers. That's why I personally love reading the scriptures, because the scriptures are the words of God. And Jesus speaks healing into our lives through the scriptures. And so Jesus speaks healing to this man about his son, who, by the way, wasn't necessarily a follower of Jesus, didn't necessarily believe in him. See, this is what some Christian circles want you to believe. This is what some churches teach. And and I've heard this so many times. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You've been told, and people say, well, if you have enough faith, God will give you the miracle. And if you don't get the miracle, it's because you didn't have enough faith. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. Because if you're told that, and then the miracle doesn't happen, what happens? You feel guilt and shame and condemnation because you didn't have enough faith. That's not my God. That's not my God. He doesn't bring that on you. He doesn't bring you guilt and shame and condemnation. He brings about healing. Jesus spoke. The man believed what he said and started home. Now, while he's walking home, after he's heard the word of God, do you think he dealt with doubt, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, l- l- let, me, let me set it up this way. Let me ask you this. Let's do a quick survey because I need to really see who I've got here in this church. How many of you have ever been in this room and you felt like you heard from God? Like you felt like God spoke to you, like he encouraged you, he built you up, he spoke, something great happened, you were excited, you were on fire and that, in that moment you felt like you could charge hell with a squirt gun that doesn't even have water in it but by the time you get to the parking lot, and you get in your car, you're wondering, was that real? Anybody in this room besides me? Like me, me, I, me, the pastor. I'll be on this stage preaching. Let's go. Come on. Let's get up. Let's serve. If he did it then, he can do it again. The best is yet to come. Woo! And I'm getting in my car and I'm saying, I don't even know if I believe that. I don't, like. I honestly don't know miracles? So he's walking away. He's got some doubts. And watch what happens in verse 51. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him. Think about this. As the man is walking and he sees his servant coming to meet him, what does he think? I think his heart drops. Because once again, he has no reason to believe that Jesus can heal his son with a word. He's never done that. So here come all of his friends. Here comes all of his servants. And he's like, it's over. It's over. Because that's what we naturally say. It's over. It's over. Everything's over. Everything, life is falling apart. It's done. It's over. Watch this. Some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He's what? He's, he's alive. What? He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. It blows my mind that they knew the time. I guess they had their smart watches on. Kinda all looking at their Apple Watches, they documented it. I just made that up. They didn't have Apple Watches back then. Actually Eve had the first Apple Watch. I did this entire message just to tell that joke. So thank you for laughing. Verse 53. Then, then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told them, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. See, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. The miracle Jesus wants to do in you and through you is bigger than just you. Because if, this, if Jesus had done what this man had told him, then the man controlled Jesus. And how do you control the creator of the universe? But see, Jesus did such a powerful miracle. Jesus can't be put into a little box. He blows the box away and he's outside of the box and it's such a big deal that this man and his entire household believed the miracle Jesus wants to do in you is bigger than you. And maybe the reason he isn't giving you necessarily what you're asking for right now is maybe because if you just wait a little bit longer, he's going to get a little bit more glory and the people around you are going to be drawn to him. And by the way, it's going to be way better than you could ever possibly imagine, because his ways are greater than your ways, and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and he is planned. His plans are bigger than your plans. As soon as he spoke, the boy was healed. And watch how the story ends, verse 54. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did in Galilee after coming to Judea. Second miraculous sign that Jesus did. Jesus wants to do a miracle in you, and by the way, he's able. He's bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than your problem. He is able to move in your life. See, a lot of people, we tend to focus, and I put myself in this category sometimes. Well, in fact, a lot of times. But a lot of us, we focus on the breakdown that we're going through. And many of us legitimately are going through tough times. And we feel like the enemy has so much power over us that he is either in the act of destroying us or because of our past has destroyed us. And we feel like we're doomed to just live out this life a shell of a person. But that's not true. Do you know the enemy has no power over you if you are in Christ? Let me say that again for the people in the back. Do you know the enemy has no power over you if you are in Christ Jesus? that's a good place to amen. The enemy has no power over you if you are in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like, I read this story the other day, and I thought this would be a great way to wrap this up. It's a great illustration. I read this story about this family that's driving down the road, and the windows are down, and everybody's having fun, and they're laughing and having a good time, and all of a sudden, a huge bumblebee flies into the car, and the little girl in the backseat starts to freak out. She's freaking out, losing her mind, because she's allergic to bees. And she's screaming, and she's screaming, and she's screaming, Daddy, help me! Daddy, help me! And the, and the dad, because dads know how to fix everything, because we're awesome. <laughs> the dad, he begins to like reach back and try to grab the bumblebee. And, and finally, he, he grabs it, and he gets it in his hand, and he holds it. And he holds it, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits for it, and it finally stings him. And then he lets it go, and the bee's flying around the car again, and the little girl's freaking out. Daddy, 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 help me, daddy. He's going to get me, daddy. I'm going to die. And the dad holds out his hand to the daughter and says, no, baby, he can't hurt you anymore. The stinger is in my hand. For those of you running scared of the enemy today, Jesus would tell you, hey, I've got the stinger in my hand. He took the nails. He took the cross. He took the beating. So that we didn't have to. And what he promises us is victory. What he promises us is life. What he tells us is we can be overcomers. And you don't need to stop believing for a miracle. If he did it then, he can do it again. And maybe today the miracle that needs to take place in your life is for you to stop saying, hey God, this is what I want you to do and this is how I want you to do it. Maybe today you need to say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Lord. I want what you want. Jesus, you're Lord. I want your ways to become my ways. Jesus, you're Lord. I want your thoughts to become my thoughts. Jesus, you're Lord. I want your heart to become my heart. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. Move in my life. Move in my life the way I I could never possibly imagine. And then don't allow the familiar things of God to become familiar in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, I pray over this entire room. God, I know there are people in this room hurting. God, I know there's some people in this room desperate to believe that you still do miracles. And I pray that you would release supernatural power, supernatural hope, supernatural peace over us, that we would have the faith, Jesus, to believe that you are a miracle worker, that legitimately, if you did it then, you can do it today. If you moved in our lives in the past, you can move in our lives again. Heads bowed and eyes closed. What's the miracle you need Jesus to do in your life? What's the answer to prayer you need Jesus to do right now? Just ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Oh, so many times throughout scriptures we're told we do not have because we do not ask. Ask him. Ask him for that hope. Ask him for that peace. Ask him for that joy. Ask him for that restoration. Just ask. Ask and have the faith right now. Have the faith right now to believe. Have the faith right now to ask Him for that miracle that you need Him to do in your life. Maybe you're here today and you realize you've never called Jesus Lord. You've never given your life to Him. You've called Him a lot of things and and you know about Him, but you've never called Him Lord. You've never called Him God. You've never called Him Savior. You've never asked him to be the savior of your life. And if that's you, and you know that you need Jesus Christ in your life, right now I just want to ask you to to say this prayer. Just say this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. And so today I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Today I ask you to save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you did that to pay for my sin. And so again, save me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my King. and Be my Savior. Right now, Jesus, all of me, for all of you, and I promise every day for the rest of my life, to the best of my ability. I will follow you because Jesus, you are Lord. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, if you just declared him as Lord, do me a favor. During this song, there'll be people in the back corners of the sanctuary that would love to celebrate with you, talk to you about next steps, get you a study Bible you don't go back there stop at the welcome desk let us know so that we can we can celebrate this that's what we want to do maybe you're here and and maybe there's something going on in your life and you need you need you need breakthrough maybe you need to talk to somebody about what's going on maybe you need a prayer partner use this time to go back in the back corners and pray with somebody understand this at Central Church we we have this overarching theme where we understand that you cannot do life alone You can't. You can't isolate away. You can't just do this by yourself. You need the help of Jesus and the help of each other to get through. And so we want to partner with you. We want to trust with you. We want to believe with you. We want to celebrate with you. And so use this time to talk with somebody. Jesus, I want to thank you that you're a miracle worker. God, I pray for every single person in this room as they've offered up prayers to you, the miracles they need, the answers to prayer that they need. Father, remind us this week that you're a good, good father who wants great things for his kids. We thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are greater than our thoughts, and your plans are better than our plans. And we thank you for the work you're going to do in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
1: I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, well, ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I seek heaven. I pray this for you, I pray for your healing. That your circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. I speak the name of all authority. Declaring blessings every promise. He's faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater. He is stronger. He's the God of possible. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles would bring your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come believe it and come receive it. Oh, the power of the Spirit is now forever yours. Come believe it and come receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. I pray for your healing circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. pray for revival, for restoration of faith. I pray that the dead will come alive. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name,